The Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not stir up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Some years, we need Ash Wednesday more than others, it seems to me. We always need it. Don't get me wrong, but this day that marks the beginning of the season, I mean, this season when we lament and repent, these days when we acknowledge and confess our sins, when we are reminded of our mortality by these ashes on our heads, when we hear this simple, profound, sometimes scary and sad promise. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But this year, today, because of all we've been through, really, and because of all that has transpired and is still unfolding in Ukraine, I hear those words, that warning, this ominous, woeful promise, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, and I think, no kidding. As we watch again, but as we see everything anew somehow, 
as this war unleashes itself with all the fear and anxiety and uncertainty that that kind of violence and evil and inhumanity and sinfulness heap upon our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits. With all of that swirling around and within us, this very timely, obvious, plain reminder is hard to deny, difficult to dismiss, impossible to ignore. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. And many of us don't need a global calamity of a war to remind us of this. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It comes, the reminder, by ways of the diseases that sicken us. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. No kidding. It comes by way of the sins that burden us. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. No kidding. It comes by way of old grief that has found us since the last time we put these ashes on our heads. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. No kidding. These reminders of my mortality are relentless, and many these days. I'm not sure I need this smudge of ashes on the ever-increasing real estate of my forehead <laughs> to be reminded again, thank you very much. My oldest son turned 18 today, which is its own kind of morality, mortality, reality check. Last night at 11 o'clock, I was watching Anderson Cooper, live from Lviv, Ukraine, talking to Clarissa Ward, who was live from Kiev, Ukraine. These journalists who hurry into war zones are a special kind of crazy courageous to me. Anyway, at 11 o'clock there, p.m., it was 11 o'clock here, p.m., it was 6 in the morning there. It was already Ash Wednesday in Ukraine. And Anderson Cooper and Clarissa Ward were having a perfectly ashy conversation. They talked about the war games of closing off airspaces and civilians being attacked. They talked about sanctioning oligarchs and elites. They talked about marching and launching and upping the ante in this continued bloody onslaught. Their words, not mine. They talked about striking and hitting civilian targets. They talked about how all of this could or would likely get much worse sooner rather than later. 
that we are facing a potentially major humanitarian disaster in the days ahead. Another reporter even got biblical and called it a David and Goliath kind of conflict in which the math does not add up in favor of the Ukrainians. And of course, all of it is layered with the not-so-existential-again threat of nuclear holocaust. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. No kidding. But just as Clarissa Ward wondered about the what and the when and the how of a very particular 40-mile column of tanks and armory and heavy Russian weaponry cutting off and laying siege to the capital in Kiev where she was standing, she said without a hint of irony, quote, and God only knows what will happen next. No kidding. And just as she said it, no kidding, the church bells somewhere near her location started to chime. As if the Holy Spirit herself had blown in to affirm the truth of what had just been said. God only knows what will happen next. I'm not saying it was a miracle. The church clock was probably set to ring at six o'clock in the morning. But it was Ash Wednesday, remember? Which is why it got my attention, more so than it did Anderson and Clarissa. They just kept on about their business like it never even happened. But those church bells ringing on Ash Wednesday in the midst of that conversation and all of that grim, dark, deadly reporting in the very valley of the shadow of death sounded like a measure of truth and hope to me. And I hope for anyone else who heard those bells ring on their televisions or in their homes or hospital beds in their bunkers or bomb shelters, in their tanks or in their trenches to remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. We wear these ashes on our foreheads and these words that we hear from Jesus and the promises that we read in Scripture, all of it reminds us that we, we need not fear the sin and the death that send us running and reeling and dodging and denying and scurrying, scared and sad so much of the time. Instead, in the midst of all of it, these words from Jesus call us to tend to our faith. We practice our piety faithfully, quietly. 
We give our offering without expecting applause or accolades because we're so generous. We pray, we fast, we worship, we learn, we serve. And there's more. We love our enemies too. And we pray for those who persecute us. We love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our souls and all of our strength when we can muster it. And we love our neighbors as ourselves too. All of which is a little easier, I think, when we remember more often that we are all dust. Each and every one of us and to dust we all shall return. And we live this way with hope. In spite of these ashes and everything they represent, but because of them too, these damn ashes. Because it's by the way of ashes and by the way of dust and by the way of dying and death, that God does God's best work. Our God looks forward to repairing what is so broken in our lives and in this world. Our God has plans to redeem the ashes and the stains of our sinfulness. Our God promises to breathe life into the dust and into the dirt of our demise. Because our God makes beautiful things, even out of the dust from whence we've come and from the dust we will one day be again. No kidding. Amen. Amen.